Once again, please open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans. Tonight, the Lord enabling, the Lord willing, we'll be looking at verse 29 down through to the concluding verse, verse 36. In verse 29, the apostle writes, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now, we looked at that last week. The gifts of God, and notice that's plural, and the calling of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. They're without change. Now, this is in reference to all the spiritual gifts of the gospel. And so Paul speaks here about the unspeakable, multifaceted gift of God, and all of them. All the spiritual gifts of the gospel are God's unchanging gifts to his beloved people. And beloved, he, he sovereignly gives those gifts of the gospel, the gift of his grace, the gift of his love, the gift of his mercy. He sovereignly gives these gifts to whom he will, and the gifts of his love, his mercy, his grace, they're just like his own holy character. They're immutable and infinite. The Lord mercifully speaks to us by the prophet Malachi, there in Malachi 3, verse 6, and he tells us, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And so the gifts and calling of God are without change because God does not change. In verse 30, the apostle continues, for as ye in times past have not believed God. My friend, that's every one of us by nature. You see, by nature, we do not believe God. Rather, we love self and hate God. For you in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Now, this is speaking here about the Jews' rejection of the gospel. Verse 31. Even so... Have these also now not believed that through your mercy they may they also may obtain mercy? Now, if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two, and look at this helpful portion there, beginning in verse eleven. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember, beloved, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ. Again, remember, this is every man by nature, be he Jew or Gentile, Gentile. And so remember, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. My friend, that's our, 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 our nature. That's our state by nature. The apostle continues in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, 
are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and this is speaking of the believing Jew and the believing Gentile. Beloved, we are both one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see, he hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. All right, look back at our portion there in Romans 11, and look at there in verse 32. The apostle writes here, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Beloved, he will have mercy on all of his elect, Jew or Gentile. Now, if you would turn back with me to Romans chapter 3, you see, Jew or Gentile, we're all sinners before God. And God has concluded we're all sinful. And so God has concluded that we all, we're all in need of mercy. And in verse 3, verse 9, the apostle writes there, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. God hath concluded all men are sinners. God hath concluded that all men are in need of mercy. And thank God, he delights to show mercy. Now, not because we're deserving of it, but because he is a God who is rich in mercy. As we read in God's word there in Ephesians chapter 2, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Now notice in Romans 11, there in verse 30 and verse 31, the apostle says, For these have obtained mercy, and it also says that they may obtain mercy. Now be sure you know this, my friend. Mercy is never earned, and it most certainly is never deserved. For you see, if we receive something that we deserve, well, by definition, that's not mercy. Rather, mercy is the sovereign gift of God alone. Notice what the apostle writes there in verse 33. Here he breaks out into a doxology of praise. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Oh, who can plumb the depths of God, the deep things of God, Oh, the depths of the riches of his wisdom and the riches of his knowledge. And how unsearchable are his judgments. I mean, who can know the breadth, the length, the scope, the depth, the eternality, the vast depths and riches of his wisdom, of his knowledge, of his judgment? They're all past finding out. We would be most foolish to try to fit our God into a box or into a mold and say that God must do this and that according to what we think. My friend, that would be ignorant and foolish if we did that. For the Lord says many times in the book of Isaiah, I am God. Beside me there is no other. And so, beloved, he will do what he will, when he will, with whom he will, as he sees fit. 
where you see he is the God who is God. Now, who can comprehend, understand, or explain or describe that which is infinite? I mean, who can do that? Go ahead and describe eternity for me. Try to describe that which is infinite. Can't do it, can you? You see, it's beyond our capacity. It's beyond our understanding to speak about the holiness of God, the sovereignty of God, the power of God. It's beyond describing. It's unspeakable. My friend, you and I don't need a God we can understand. Rather, we need the true and living God, the God we can worship and bow down to. And my friend, that's the only place you will worship. You see, I don't need a God I can understand. Rather, I need the true God that I can worship and bow down to. And my friend, the only place you and I will worship is before the throne of the God who is God, the Almighty, Sovereign, Holy Lord. Now keep your place there in Romans 11. And let's look here at a couple of verses in Isaiah. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 45. While you're turning there, you know, remember our Lord said, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. We must, if we're to worship, we must worship the God who is God. Now in Isaiah chapter 45, Look there with me, beginning in verse 5. The Lord says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, these things don't need to be qualified by any further comment from me. For God himself has spoken, and at that, with utter clarity. Has he not? Look at the last part of verse 21. Again, Isaiah 45. The latter part of verse 21. Here he sets forth how he is the only God. There is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now, if you would turn one page over to Isaiah chapter 46, and look there beginning in verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now, I don't have this portion in my notes, but this statement here where we read, he declares the end from the beginning, 
It's reminiscent of what our Lord says to those Pharisees in John's Gospel. Turn there with me, if you would. John's Gospel, chapter 10. Now, beloved and my dear friend, please bear in mind who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is the one whose eyes are aflame with fire, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And when he looks out of this, I mean, he's 100% man. Make no mistake about it. He's a real man, but he's 100% God. I can't explain how he's 100% man and 100% God, but I pray that he'll bless his own words to your heart this evening as we read why he explains there are some people in this world that will never believe, and there are some that shall believe. Look there in verse 25 of John's Gospel, chapter 10. Now, I think, I think perhaps we'll begin in verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, these are a group of men that the Lord had before him. These uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, people who were looked to as teachers of the law, people who were highly esteemed in the community where they taught God's word. And he tells us, our Lord declares here, Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, and here's the reason. Get out of your mind. It's because there was some poor preaching going on. I mean, to even suggest that the Lord Jesus Christ is a poor preacher. <laughs> Actually, uh, you've heard uh, Charles Spurgeon referred to as the prince of, prince of Preachers. You've heard that. I don't like that title attributed to Charles Spurgeon. The Prince of Preachers is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it wasn't a matter of them not getting it, as we like to say in the nomenclature. He says this, You believe not, this is verse 26, because ye are not of my sheep. What a solemn moment. This is God manifest in the flesh looking at those reprobates that were never God's object of affection, never God's object, never the objects of God's love. Now here's the gospel, and I pray the Lord is speaking to every one of us here this evening. I pray this is describing all of us here gathered here this evening. He's going to describe his sheep, his people, his elect, and he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. This is that word of intimacy. He's loved us everlastingly, beloved. He's loved us with an everlasting, eternal love. And they shall follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. He does not offer eternal life. He's not a car salesman. He sovereignly gives eternal life undeservedly to damned, dirty dogs like you in the pew and like this damned, dirty dog behind the pulpit. He saves us when we don't even know we're not saved. <laughs> Just like that. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father 
are one. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of his wisdom, his knowledge, and his judgment. Now, those three things speak of the infinite character of our eternal God. Oh, just to think of his wisdom, just how infinite it is, his wisdom. Beloved, he has perfect wisdom. In fact, in the book of Colossians, it says there, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In the book of Proverbs, there in chapter 8, we had that read to us earlier. Again, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says his name is called wisdom. Indeed, Christ is the wisdom of God, and he worketh all things after the counsel of his own blessed, perfect will. Beloved, our God is wise in all things. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. We read in the book of Acts, there in chapter 15, verse 18, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. You see, beloved, he has infinite knowledge of everything, everywhere, of every thought and of every person. And my friend, this is the God with whom we have to do. As it says there in the book of Hebrews, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You see that? The eternality, the infinite depths of God's riches, his power, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his knowledge. He knows all things. And so then, how unsearchable are his judgments? Past finding out. But we do know, beloved, the judge of all the earth will do right, for whatever he does is right. When the Lord took everything from Job, with the exception of his wife and the exception of his health at the first, remember he killed all the children and took away all his substance. Remember what Job said? We read in chapter 1, verse 21 of the book that bears his name. We read his answer to all of these circumstances. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, the unsearchable judgments of God. Beloved, whatever he does is right. When Samuel came to Eli, remember that priest of God, Eli? Well, he had those two rebel boys, men who misused the office of being a priest of God, and God revealed to Samuel that he was going to kill both those boys. And when Samuel went and told their father, Eli the priest, Eli, God's going to kill both your boys. Remember what he said in reply? Eli didn't say, well, that's not right. He didn't say, well, that's not fair. Rather, we read how that Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. How unsearchable are his judgments. His judgments are always right, and his ways are past finding out. You see, beloved, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Beloved, his ways are past finding out, beyond our comprehending, beyond our understanding. 
These things must be revealed unto us. He's hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. Who knows the ways of the Lord? They're mysterious, are they not? Now, returning to our portion, Romans 11, we see the apostle starts on a series of questions there in verse 34 and 35. Verse 34, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? My friend, does the Lord need our help? Does he need our counsel? Is he some poor helpless God that can't do anything without your help? Does he have no hands but your hands? Does he have no feet but your feet? Well, that's not the God who is God. You see, the God who is God will use the means he sees fit even if he needs to use a jackass to rebuke Balaam. God will do that. He'll use whom he will. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him what, with expected repayment? My friend, have you added anything to the character of God? Have you added anything to the attributes of God? Beloved, we can't add anything to God. For you see, he does not need our help. Rather, we desperately need him. I mean, who is any sinful man to question the mighty wisdom and power of Almighty God? Or who hath totally known the mind of the Lord? His mind is infinite. You see, beloved, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. And so who has totally known the mind of the Lord? None. Absolutely none. Now, we've been given an understanding, beloved, He's blessed us to know a little bit of the mind of the Lord as he reveals himself in his book. But who has totally known the mind and comprehended the wisdom of Almighty God? None. And then the apostle asks that question, Who has been his counselor? Now, one of the names of the Lord Jesus Christ is Wonderful Counselor. He is the counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace. And so he doesn't need our counsel. The Lord has never asked any of his creatures for any advice. So you see, beloved, he doesn't need our advice. He doesn't need our help. God is God. And beside him, there is none else. I mean, who has contributed anything to him? None. Nobody. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be re recompensed again? Now, reading through the book of Job, there in Job chapter 38, the Lord asked Job, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? And then he asked Job this question, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Come on, Job, where were you? Job didn't exist when the foundations were laid. You see, God is God, and he works all things after the counsel of his own perfect, sovereign will. All right, verse 36. I pray the Lord would hide this verse in your heart and mine. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now notice the apostle doesn't set forth that some 
things are for him, through him and to him, or just the good things, but beloved of him, through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now, if you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look there, beginning in verse 17. The Apostle writes there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that is namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. All things are of God. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Beloved, our Heavenly Father made his dear beloved Son to be made sin for us, his well-pleasing Son who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Beloved, all things are of God. All things are of him as the efficient cause, through him as the disposing cause, and to him as the final cause. All things are of him without any other motive, through him without any assistance, and to him without any other end. All things, beloved, are of God. In creation, he created all things by the word of his power. As the Apostle John writes in the first chapter of the gospel that bears his name, and this is speaking of our Lord and God Jesus Christ, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That is, beloved, there is not one thing that is made that he did not make. You see, all things in creation are of him, through him and to him. All things in providence, those things that unfold in time, they, they do so because God from eternity has decreed those things. All things in creation, all things in providence are of him, through him and to him. And all things in salvation are of him, through him and to him. Of him as the source, spring and counsel, through him as the means ordained of God, to him, for he is the glorious purpose of all things. It's to him that God does what he does, for his glory is the grand design of redemption. I mean, what is the grand design of redemption? Is it to keep us maggots out of hell? Is that the grand design of redemption? No, my friend. The grand design of redemption is that that word we just read there in the last concluding verse of Romans chapter 11. We just read where it says, To whom be glory forever. Amen. 
to him. It's for his glorious purpose and expected end, the expected end of all his beloved people. Now, before we conclude, I'd like to read you a brief reflection from Robert Hawker. This is from his Poor Man's Commentary. And he's reflected on this chapter. He writes, quote, Take a moment and pause to behold this rejection of Israel as a nation. After all their high privileges, consider what may be, what will be, the rejection of any and of every mere nominal church which hath the form, but is destitute of the power of godliness. To this our guilty, sinful land, and to every Christ-despising generation like the present, how awful that scripture sounds in trembling accents. And then Hawker makes reference to verse 21. If God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. If God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. And then Hawker prays, Almighty Sovereign, Lord of heaven and earth, give thy redeemed people grace to receive all thy wise and unerring appointments with humble joy and reverence. All must be right, because thou, Lord, hast done it. Let everyone taught of God enter into a full apprehension. God, let all of us enter into a full understanding of that most precious truth. Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. And so, beloved, amidst all the discouragement, he continues, And so, beloved, amidst all the discouragement of the present day, though like the prophet we find cause to mourn in secret at the depressed state of Zion, yet let this always comfort, even now at the present time, there is a remnant there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And so forget it not that it is grace, yea, all grace. May you and I have grace to give our God all the glory. And then he concludes, end quote. Beloved, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, verse 36. Romans 11, verse 36. Let's, let's conclude with this blessed verse and make it the prayer of our hearts. Beloved, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen.